My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Tamara Lawrence and Brent Patterson. In 2017, Justin Trudeau's Liberal government released a new defense policy that projects federal spending on the military to reach an astounding $553 billion over 20 years. One of the largest expenditures within this vast amount, and indeed the second largest individual procurement in Canadian history, is a proposed $19 billion for new fighter jets. Tamara Lawrence is a longtime peace and justice activist and a member of Canadian Voice of Women for Peace. Brent Patterson has also been involved in peace and social justice issues for many years, and he's the executive director of Peace Brigades International Canada. Both are part of a campaign that has come together to oppose the plan to purchase the new jets. Lawrence was heavily involved in campaigning against the last attempt by the federal government to buy fighters. In 2010, Stephen Harper's Conservatives committed to buying 65 Lockheed Martin F-35 jets in a no-bid, sole-source contract. The peace movement mobilized in response to this, and opposition to the deal grew substantially after it was revealed that the price of the F-35s would be far higher than originally announced. And in 2012, the Harper government scrapped the purchase. The Trudeau Liberals announced that they would try again to purchase new jets, this time via an open competition. Bids from arms manufacturers were due in July 2020, and the government will announce the winning bid in early 2022, so opponents expect that they have about a year to mobilize opposition and to get the deal cancelled, or at least postponed. Opposition to the purchase is in part grounded in a radically different vision for Canada's role in the world. In contrast to the expanded militarism in the Liberals' new defense policy, it is a vision that opposes war, militarism, and the kinds of interventions in other countries that weapons systems like this get used for. Opponents want a demilitarized approach to national defense, and an understanding of security that is expansive and connected to the harms and indignities people face in everyday life. It is a vision that seeks to get to the roots of the injustices that so often underlie conflict on local and global levels and transform them. Opposition to the deal is also based on the fact that the greatest threats faced by Canadians right now include things like the COVID-19 pandemic, the climate crisis, and growing inequality. Fighter jets do nothing to address these things. That $19 billion could instead go towards programs like national pharmacare or childcare, or it could go towards the kind of multifaceted, intersectional, environmental, and social agenda that movements in Canada have been calling for, under the banner of a Green New Deal in response to the climate crisis, and a just recovery from the pandemic. Opponents of the deal point out the particular foolishness of military spending in the context of the climate crisis. Not only will jets do nothing to help, they, and military activity more broadly, tend to do great harm to the climate and to the environment in general. In early July, Voice of Women issued a call-out for a day of action against the purchase of new fighter jets to be held on July 24th. Timelines were tight, but there was an enthusiastic response, and 22 different actions took place across the country. 
Many involved delivering letters to MPs and picketing their offices, with extensive use of social media for publicity. A second day of action has been called for October 2nd, when they expect to see more than 50 actions. And over the coming year, they'll be using many different tactics to ratchet up the political pressure. There will be more days of action, as well as a range of creative and often disruptive nonviolent direct actions against specific targets. While they intend to focus pressure on key decision-makers who might have the power to stop the deal, they also want to put pressure on the opposition parties, who have thus far not spoken out against the deal, and may target arms industry events as well. I speak with Lawrence and Patterson about the government's plan to spend $19 billion on new fighter jets, and about the campaign to stop them. My name is Tamara Lawrence. I have been involved in peace and environmental work for the past 25 years. I'm a longtime member of the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace. When I was living in Halifax, Nova Scotia, I was part of the Halifax Peace Coalition. I'm also involved with a number of international peace groups. I'm on the advisory council, for instance, of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. I'm also on the advisory committee of World Beyond War and the No to NATO Network. So I care very deeply about peace and disarmament, and I want Canada to care about those issues. And I also think that there's a link with peace and environment, and I'm also trying to make those connections. And my name is Brent Patterson, and I'm the executive director of Peace Brigade International in Canada. I've been an activist, a political activist, for about 30 years in a range of different areas, initially in terms of organizing against American interventions in Latin America in the mid to late 1980s and working for quite some time against corporate-friendly free trade agreements that are undemocratic and hurt the vast majority of the population. More recently, working on climate justice issues and on indigenous rights and a thread through all of this in terms of participation in nonviolent direct action. I think there's always been a link between advocacy for democracy and the rights of people and care for the environment and saying no to war and defunding war or defunding bad things and shifting the money to the public good. A number of peace groups have come together to launch a national campaign to stop the Canadian government from buying new fighter jets. We had our first day of action in July, and we're planning a number of actions over the course of the next year. Tell listeners a little bit about your home organizations, Voice of Women for Peace and Peace Brigades International. This year, the Canadian Voice of Women is celebrating its 60th anniversary. VOW has been a national leader on peace and disarmament and nonviolence campaigns. We have members from coast to coast to coast. We have a number of chapters across the country. We have been taking delegations of women to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women Conference every spring and advocating there for peace and for women's rights. We also work in partnership with women's organizations across the country and around the world. So, for instance, we have partnered with the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. That's based in Geneva, Switzerland, on a number of campaigns around nuclear disarmament. And we are also working with women's groups, for instance, across the country on the 25th anniversary of the Beijing Platform for Action to try to advance women's rights and gender equality. And that links to economic 
economic justice and peace again domestically. We also lobby every year. We try to meet with senators and members of parliament to try to get them to care more about peace and disarmament and also organizing film screenings and lectures and events. We have an annual general meeting and a gala. We also think it's really important to work intersectionally and intergenerationally. We also have summer camps in British Columbia and in Ontario and in Nova Scotia every year. And this year we did it virtually. Peace Brigades International is a global human rights organization that was founded 40 years ago next year, just south of Ottawa on Grindstone Island on unceded Algonquin Territory. And it primarily provides protective accompaniment, unarmed accompaniment to human rights defenders, Indigenous land defenders, activists, women activists who are at risk because of their political work towards economic and social justice. Primarily what we do in countries such as Colombia or Honduras, Guatemala and Mexico is we have international volunteers walk with, accompany these activists who are at risk as a way to enhance their safety so that those who would do harm to them are aware that the world is literally watching what they're doing. And the theory of change is that the more visible these defenders are, hopefully the less vulnerable they are to attack unjust criminalization or judicialization, threats and harassment, and it can include physical attacks as well. Hundreds of defenders are killed each year around the world, and our work is to try and diminish that. And then we provide, in a sense, political accompaniment as well, which is trying to highlight in various ways through meetings with officials and embassies and public meetings and tours and meetings with students and so on to articulate to different audiences the issues of concern to the defenders that we accompany. Many times that relates to either the upholding of Indigenous rights tied into the defense of land rights. So what is it that the federal government is doing that this new campaign that you're both involved in is concerned about? The Canadian government has been wanting to buy a new fleet of fighter jets for the past 15 years. The previous administration, the Harper Conservative government, wanted through a sole source contract to buy the F-35s. The Trudeau government, when they came in in 2015, said they didn't want to buy the F-35, but that they would have an open competition. We're very concerned that the Canadian government wants to proceed with buying these fighter jets when we have you know, a huge increase to the deficit because of the pandemic. We've got a climate crisis and a poverty crisis that need urgent attention, and those are the priorities. And so we don't want the Canadian government to be buying new fighter jets. We want a total rethinking of security and defense, and we want action on the climate crisis and the poverty crisis. We don't want our precious tax dollars to be invested in new fighter jets. In terms of a broader context, the Canadian government is looking at a massive increase in military spending over the next 20 years, some $553 billion. And the campaign is just saying that this is a huge amount of money, an astronomical amount of money that is being misspent and that this kind of spending on military 
weapons or on the military really doesn't lead us to a peaceful world. And we should defund this expenditure and move it to more positive, proactive things for people and the environment. What's your sense of the government's rationale for wanting to buy these new fighter jets? The Trudeau government promised in the election of 2015 that they would have a defense review. And so they called the defense review in 2016. There were consultations and roundtables and an opportunity for the public to have a say. And they announced their finalized defense policy in June of 2017. And the defense policy It's driven by our membership in NATO, a military alliance, and our defense partnership with the United States. And the defense policy, which is called Strong, Secure, and Engaged, said that we were going to spend $553 billion on the military for new capital investments, for things like new fighter jets, to build more warships, to buy new armed drones, and to buy attack helicopters. We're also going to recruit more soldiers, and we're going to especially target women, racialized minorities, and indigenous communities for recruitment. And it says that we're going to be doing all of this to maintain high-end warfighting. So all of the submissions that peace groups made saying that we want to have a demilitarized national defense, we you know, want action on climate change, we don't want to be buying new weapon systems, we want investments in you know, green technologies, those kinds of things, that was all totally ignored by the defense policy. And the other thing that was really problematic was that the federal government announced a defense policy without also giving the public an opportunity to have a say on our foreign policy. So we don't have a publicly crafted foreign policy. And our defense policy is extremely militaristic and aggressive. And that's the posture that we have to the world. Canada has prioritized militarized security and militarism and military spending instead of investing in things like diplomacy and disarmament and international law and friendly relationships with other countries. So this fighter jet procurement is an expression of Canada's new, very aggressive defense policy that came out in 2017. What strikes me about this is that the government argumentation for spending these billions of dollars is incredibly thin. I don't think they've mounted an effective argument. It seems that it's perhaps from their perspective almost enough to say we need to meet our NATO commitments or we need to be strong and secure and engaged or that kind of thing without really delving into what genuine security means and what what actually builds peaceful international relations. And I would just contrast it in terms of the kind of argumentation that people's movements, social movements would have to make for that money to be spent on pharmacare or solar panels or childcare or any number of things that benefit the social good. It's very important to note that when the defense policy came out in 2017, there was not any political dissent. Not one politician from any of the political parties stood up and said, Canada should not be spending all of this money on the military. We actually need to be demilitarizing. What happened instead is that the NDP said that the Canadian government wasn't spending enough and that more should be spent. And the Green Party said nothing. 
And so we actually have a huge struggle on our hands because we don't have any political support right now from any of the political parties. What are the origins of the campaign against buying the jets? The origins are a long time in the making. So when Harper's defense policy came out in 2008, he said that he was going to be buying 65 F-35s for $9 billion dollars. When that announcement was made, the peace community started mobilizing. We had actions across the country. We sent letters. We had petitions. We had speakers come up. I filed access to information to reveal that that procurement didn't include the price of the engines, and that got front-page media. So we put intense pressure on the Harper government on the F-35 issue to say that, you know, this plane was a boondoggle. We can't afford it. It's got so many technical problems. We can't buy these fighter aircraft. And it caused the government to delay signing the contract with Lockheed Martin. Until it's come to this point with the new Trudeau liberal government in 2015 saying, okay, we will have a open competition for new fighter jets. He announced the open competition last summer. The bids were due at the end of July of this year. And so we've been following this campaign for a very long time. And we've been able to successfully delay until now. And we are very confident that if we continue to mobilize together with peace groups across the country, that we can exert enough pressure on the government to either delay or cancel this procurement entirely. In this political moment that we're in right now, this longer-term campaign against the fighter jets that Tamara's been talking about has really been amplified as people are increasingly aware about the climate crisis and the need to address that, both through an investment in a Green New Deal, but also not spending billions on carbon-intensive fighter jets, things that further carbonize or pollute the environment. And I think we're also in a moment, too, where there's a heightened public attention to state violence, the violence of police and the need to defund the police. And there's definitely links in terms of looking at the role the police play and the role that the military plays in the need for alternatives and to move the money to other places. And I think the political moment is also intensified by the pandemic. And we know that jet fighters do nothing for a pandemic. And because of some of the costs that have happened because of the pandemic and the federal debt, we think, too, that we have a further economic argument to be making. What's been happening so far in the campaign against the current attempt by the federal government to purchase new fighter jets? The Canadian Voice of Women for Peace put a call out at the beginning of July to say that we should have a national day of action to oppose the fighter jets and to also raise public and political awareness about our opposition to these fighter jets a week before the bids were due. So we held our national day of action on Friday, July 24th. We had a Zoom strategy meeting. We coordinated by email as well. We didn't give ourselves very much time, but we were so impressed that groups across the country said that they wanted to participate and to help out. 
We had 22 actions across the country from Sydney, British Columbia to Halifax, Nova Scotia. People stood in front of their members of parliament's offices with signs and everybody delivered a letter to their member of parliament as well. And then we took pictures and we circulated that on social media. We got really good media coverage and we're going to continue to do actions together. The government said that they'll make a decision in early 2022. The decision most certainly will be made before that. But we feel like we have about a year to mobilize and to raise strong opposition to this. We have maybe a year to effectively mobilize around this. And so there is an urgency to the campaign. There's the broader peace movement. And that's a growing, a strong movement. And there is a particular focus on the fighter jets. but. I think as well beyond the peace movement, we're also having discussions in terms of how do we broaden the voices of opposition to fighter jets? What are the ways in which we can more deeply connect with the climate justice movement to bring their voices and their capacity to mobilize into this campaign and in terms of other movements as well, whether that's the indigenous rights movement or the defund the police movement or the Black Lives Matter movement and other movements that we're trying to consciously think about how to make those connections with friends and allies and how we make the analytical links and how we support each other and how we come together in terms of this particular campaign. In the aftermath of that initial day of action, what kinds of responses have you been getting, positive and negative, in the context of the media, social media, in-person conversations, particularly from people who are not already active supporters of the peace movement? We were very pleased that we had a very quick and wide response to our call out for a national day of action. When people did their actions in front of their members of parliament, they tried to be in high traffic public places. And many people said that when passerbys were going by or cars were driving by, they got, you know, honks and support. I have spoken over the past year to a number of campus groups and to students about our concern about the defense policy and military spending and militarism in Canada. And when I mentioned the fighter jets, young people are really very concerned. They're especially concerned about the adverse impacts on the climate. The fighter jets emit an excessive amount and the costs are extremely expensive. Young people are struggling, they're concerned about the climate crisis, and they're just thinking, you know, why are we spending money on weapons of war instead of investing in, you know, our, our young people and our next generations? So young people especially understand that this is, you know, a critical choice for the federal government and that they don't want this investment. I've definitely had a similar experience as well. If we speak about the climate justice movement, I think they're increasingly aware that we have to address militarism in order to decarbonize and move towards a sustainable future. There's as well a realization that, again, if we just look at the fighter jets, that that $19 billion to be spent on that is literally being stolen from a Green New Deal. And if the federal government continues to spend the way it does on the military, there's really not going to be the dollars available that are so necessary for transitioning to a more sustainable energy economy. So you had a successful day of action in July, and you've got about a year to make the impact that you want to make. What can you tell me about how you plan to make use of that year? 
We're planning another day of action on Friday, October 2nd, which is the International Day of Nonviolence. We're trying to use that day to raise in people's imagination the idea of nonviolence in our international relations. And fighter jets are very much instruments of violence, and we shouldn't be investing in them. We're hoping to have at least 50 actions across the country, double the number of actions we had in July. We're also planning on having webinars to raise awareness and to share information about this so that we can kind of inform and empower more people to participate. We also have someone who wants to lead a fast in January, and we're planning on trying to have a creative, disruptive campaign that continues to put this issue front and center. We want to make it uncomfortable and impossible for politicians to sign this contract. And I think, too, just in terms of some of our discussions, I think it's really been trying to go through who are the decision makers on this purchase and what are the means that we have to reach them or to apply significant political pressure for them to back down on this. So both in terms of key cabinet ministers, but also in terms of members of parliament, both within the governing party, that maybe we can begin to raise some critical voice on this within caucus, but also in terms of having some of the opposition parties that may not have been vocal on this yet to begin to speak up on this. And then I think, too, like it's also trying to be response to the various key moments the various political moments that are before us. And so we will be looking at doing some things prior to Parliament reconvening on September 23rd and the throne speech. We have a meeting planned immediately after that to assess the so-called new direction of the government and what opportunities that might present to us. There's the March budget. The federal budget is usually tabled in March. And again, we think we have an opportunity there given the unprecedented size of the federal deficit and debt to be raising fiscal arguments at that time or in the lead up to that time. I think we're also cognizant that in terms of the average historical lifespan of the minority government, and particularly now in a relatively volatile moment, that it's conceivable that we could be seeing a federal election prior to the time of the decision on the jet. So we're trying to understand the terrain of that possibility and what we might do. And then maybe just lastly, another key moment is the possibility of this country's largest weapons show happening again this coming June, which again could be at a pretty key time prior to the decision. And it may just be a key moment for public awareness, public education, direct action, all kinds of organizing when those transnationals are theoretically in towns, getting near the eve of the decision to really try and get our message out. Lots more in the works, but I think we're looking at different tactics and strategies and moments and building an intersectional movement and seeing how we can bring all of this together. You have been listening to my interview with Tamara Lawrence of Canadian Voice of Women for Peace and Brent Patterson of Peace Brigades International Canada. To learn more about the campaign against the purchase of new fighter jets, go to vowpeace.org slash nofighterjets. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to TalkingRadical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.